welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. So every week, Mike, on the show, we aim to disrupt the way entrepreneurs and real estate agents think about their business. And this week, what I want to do is disrupt the way you think about money. Have you ever thought about money and what money is? I do. <laughs> okay. Everyone has probably thought about money. Have you actually thought deeply about the concept of money? Uh, I haven't. I haven't. And this is the thing. I love it because when, when we talk, uh, the times that I have, it's with you. We've kind of stretched me on that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I feel like this is really timely on the heels of the Reddit, GameStop, Robin Hood, Wall Street, yeah. um, knockdown, drag out uh, event we've seen the last couple of weeks. So um, it, it really got my wheels turning about the, the idea of money and how money is supposed to create freedom for people and, and that money might just actually be a construct of our, um, of our imagination. So, um, in a little of this is going to be, um, maybe a little heavy from a, from a technical perspective or from a, an annoyance, uh, classroom standpoint. But when we think about money, money is nothing more than the medium of exchange right? and accounting. So accounting being, I gave you X number of currency units and you will repay it in X plus Y, right? So it's just merely a medium of exchange. So in prison, for instance, money is often cigarettes mm -hmm. or, or wine. Right. And of course in the U S money is U S dollar. Right. However, um, at, you know, at a point in time it was gold and it's been tulips. We've seen salt. We've seen all sorts of, uh, farm animals. Right. Money has been a number of different means of exchange. And so, um, the, the properties of money are that it must be divisible. Okay. So you have to have the ability to exchange it in multiple increments. So think coins and bills, right? Right. So a dollar bill can be divided, um, that it has to be durable. So it has to be something that has the ability to hold value over time. So cigarettes are not nearly as good of a, of a currency system as a bar of gold. Right. A tulip um, was not nearly as good of a storehold of durable wealth as a, a, a coin might be. And so money also has to be portable. So you have to be able to take it with you and trade it. It has to be movable. So um, a house would not be a good um, means of money. Uh, it needs to be recognizable. So that's to be trust. Like you have to exchange something on the basis of trust and you have right. to believe that it's true. So how does the, how do we do that in the U S we do it by printing a identifiable dollar. And then there are all these like counter, uh, counterfeiting measures and mechanisms right. in place so that there's a increased level of trust. Previously, um, we saw, uh, coins that are stamped. And then if the thought was, if this coin is good enough for the king, it is good enough for the commoner. And that was the authenticity of the, the portion of money. Money has to be scarce. So there has right. to be the ability to have a constrained supply so that you can protect your value and consequently protect the trust. So tulips, albeit there was a tulip bubble of when tulips were deemed to be a means of money, um, tulips aren't scarce because right. that you could just plant more tulips or there are more tulips this year might grow than next year. Um, gold has traditionally been the most scarce of our monetary systems because you have to mine new gold every year and that costs money and is really 
um, unless you go lasso an asteroid, like Elon Musk has talked about, right. um, you're not going to inject a huge supply of gold into the system. Right. Um, now we have dollar bills, which um, are less than scarce, especially less scarce than they once were. And then the last thing I think is security. So you have to have the ability to protect your exchange mechanism. So you protect it from fraud or for theft, from theft. So a bar of gold gives you more um, security than a tulip, than salt. A dollar gives right. you mechanism through a bank account that has insurance and so on. So money, medium of exchange, but it has principles attached to it that make it better or worse as a trusted um, exchange. So what does all that mean? Well, my thought around that is, is when we think about wealth and we think about freedom in 2021, we live in a world where when was the last time you had an actual dollar bill in your pocket and a lot of, and when your means of exchange was actually through coins and dollars. Yeah. It's crazy how quick we've gone to like, what do you call it? A cashless society. Yeah. And, yeah. and so we live in this digital currency system today. And, um, and the only thing we really exchange is trust. Yeah. Right. And so when you exchange money to the mortgage company and we exchange money to Kate and Tyler for this podcast, <laughs> the only thing we're really doing is exchanging trust that they can take it to their bank and it have the same value that they received the, on the time in which we sent it to them. Right. And so the monetary system is really, in my opinion, a, a trust system with the least amount of volatility possible. Well, here's the problem. Yeah. This week, we, and really, this is a culminating event over the last couple of decades. We've seen um, a large erosion of trust in the financial system in America, and that was embodied by this um, yeah. amazing Robin Hood. Yeah. Like uh, this amazing Robin Hood like actions of the Reddit traders attempting to short squeeze. Um, the hedge funds yeah. in the past week and it worked it worked really it well and it also brought to light the fact that um, there's a significant gap in trust in our current monetary system right and that lack of trust is that on on the day in which hedge funds were going to essentially lose billions and billions of dollars a number of the trading platforms decided they would cease all all acquisitions of GameStop stocks. Limiting, like, you just totally stopped it. That's, That's crazy. Right. Which then meant everyone who was earning the run-up, the income, the, the profit lost. from the run-up, either lost their gains yeah. or lost um, their ability to transact out of their position or potentially got dissolved out of their positions um, and weren't able to actually either cash in or accomplish their desired outcome. Right. Which is what they've been doing for the last 50 years. <laughs> Correct. Correct. So the hedge funds have been playing this game against the, the, the greater population and all of a sudden the tables got turned. And part of why the table gets turned is because we live now in this world where information transacts at a record speed in which everything 
for the most part, is available to everyone. Absolutely. Thank you, social media. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, uh, truly, the ability to find information on the internet now and learn about something has been the great equalizer of knowledge and wealth. And that doesn't sit well for those people who have wealth. The status quo. That's right. Because everyone's trying to maintain a standard of living right. or, or move their standard of living up the social construct. And so as soon as um, Melvin Capital is poised to lose three plus billion dollars to some 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 dorks Joe on Reddit, Schmo, that's right. Schmo, yeah. It changes the social construct. Yeah. And and so what what we've seen is the system itself change overnight in order to try to prevent that that social construct change or to change the way that money is actually made and wealth and influence is created seemingly overnight. It, it sounds like you said they changed the rules. They changed the rules. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And so what happened was everybody else kind of figured out what they've been doing. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, you can't do that. I'm changing the rules. Yeah. And the reality of it is, Mike, is that movement was amazing. Like that GameStop Reddit movement is like world-class grassroots yeah. effort, probably unlike anything we've seen. However, um, I, I believe it is a vote for what the future looks like. Yeah. Is that grows more and more and more and more common. We've seen in the last decade, we've seen the, the, uh, wall street movement. We've seen, um, the me too movement. We've seen black lives matter movement. We're starting to see these social constructs and the unity of people, accelerate at a rate that that wasn't seen in the decade plus prior and on the other side you're seeing negative people come metastasized and so anyway yes we're what <laughs> well because what happens yeah. is is we we all we all cling to our social yeah. hierarchy right our standard of living and the the challenge becomes is that there the standard of living has gotten the has gotten arguably worse as the the decade has gone on because the wealth divide has continued to grow. And so what actually happens is everyone in the middle feels like they've been left behind and left right. out. And so whether their view is aligns with me too, black lives matter, or, Whatever uh, right. It, it doesn't matter. That's right. They all feel left behind. Right. And, and numerically they have been, Right. Is that as the the top one percent continues to grow, um, it leaves the ninety nine continuing to, to fall further and further behind. In fact, they say that 50 percent of Robinhood accounts owned GameStop stock last week alone. Wow. Which means 50 percent of the retail investors were betting against the hedge funds last week. And then the hedge funds decided to change the rule yeah. overnight. And so what does that have to do with being an entrepreneur and uh, a real estate agent? Well, I don't know. It's a great question. <laughs> However, <laughs> my thinking is, is that we're always talking about building wealth, increasing profitability, um, and changing the way that people think. And so when I, when I think about what happens with this financial sector that, that has really been corrupted by, um, by what is just yeah. there's there's no product produced by a hedge fund it is just truly wealthy people getting wealthier that's it it's just right. managing 
managing um, wealthy families funds in order to continue to grow the wealth. No product is created, however. And so when we think about that, the beauty of the industry that we're in is that we actually have the ability to invest our income or our earnings into um, a relatively low risk, non-manipulatable asset of real estate. That's right. Yeah. Because even when you buy stock on Robinhood, you don't actually get the stock. Yeah. You merely exchange trust that that, that app or that broker was going to return you the money that you claim on the app that you've earned. Talk, just talk to your clients that you sold them a house three to five years ago. Yeah. Ten, you know, five, ten years ago. So um, I'm, they're really happy that they, they made that investment uh, in real estate. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. the way houses are selling right now. It's crazy. Absolutely. And so that kind of got me down this rabbit hole of the idea of like, what is wealth? Like, how do you actually build wealth? Well, one of them is just that asset yeah. appreciation. Yeah. Right. Like where you have an asset. In this case, we're talking about a house that goes up in value. Or maybe you have a used car because we've seen Jay Leno's wealth go up uh, by owning assets of of used vehicles um, because they're in scarce supply and so the value goes up Um, you can also build wealth by having a profitable income growth so if every year you get a raise and that becomes exponential or you own a business and you grow your business's profitability um, that profitable income growth leads to to wealth creation that you can acquire businesses Mm-hmm. And by by becoming an entrepreneur by acquisition, you grow your wealth, and then by compound interest. Yeah. And so, and when we think about wealth building, the beauty of the industry of real estate is that it really factors into asset appreciation, profitable income growth, and acquisition of business, as well as compound interest. There right. really are multiple vehicles of wealth building inside right. of owning real estate. You're absolutely right. We focus on compounding interest. Um, I, I'm talking about even before I got yeah. into real estate, um, but I had to change my mindset uh, from a consumer, a consumer driven mindset to where, when, when I say consumer, I'm spend. hey, oh, I can afford that. I can make that payment versus I want to receive a payment. Yeah, yeah. That's a big difference. And when you start thinking like, okay, multiple ways to receive payments and not to make payments, yeah, it shifts your, it just, it changes the game. Yeah. Because what you, what you're doing is you're changing, um, really your, your, like your basis of, of income and your basis of net worth by doing that. And that, you know, you're able to, to, to balance out your expenses with income by having that mindset. And so when I think about um, risk and what we saw last week with GameStop and with Robinhood, the risk for real estate right now is incredibly low. And part of why it's low is because the manipulation (laughs) happened 15 years ago to our industry. Yeah. And, and, that obviously costs people a significant amount of their livelihood, of their wealth. And fortunately, what we've seen is government regulation come into the industry yeah. to actually solidify more yeah. of the risk 
and it's actually involved. working. That's you're right. You're not seeing foreclosures. You're not seeing any of those things. We're in a pretty bad situation, and uh, foreclosures have stayed uh, constant even over 2020. Yeah, that's right. Surprisingly, with with 14, 15% unemployment at its peak, we still uh, are expected to see roughly the exact same number yeah. of foreclosures in 2021 that we saw over the last five year aggregate, yeah. which is, which is unbelievable. And it shows, uh, it shows the rate of appreciation we've seen in the real estate market. Yeah. Now there are a couple things that concern me about real estate wealth right now, Mike, and okay. that is, what's that? Um, 31% of the market right now is first time home buyers. Okay. Traditionally we, we like to see a 40% average for first time home buyers. So we've seen almost a 25% decline and in first-time home buyers. Well, I have an idea, but why do you think that is? Well, we're starting to see, well, not starting. We have seen for the last decade hedge funds consume 11 plus percent of the market inventory. Okay. So last year, yep. um, we set a record for the total number of investors acquiring property um, nationally. So, um, BlackRock, for instance, has, uh, 80,000 plus homes with right. invitation homes. We've seen in our market, American homes for rent, yep. uh, first key homes, progress, residential main street, all these large entity, um, companies acquiring houses yep. that puts downward pressure on uh, the first time home buyer it does on as far as supply is concerned and then drives up the price which makes it more prohibitive for the first time home buyer yeah couple that with student loan debt and now we've got fewer and fewer first time home buyers despite zero effective interest rates and you have no bu builders anymore That's serving right. that market so no. i mean the last the last really good one was CP Morgan. And so, <laughs> yeah. So the Arbor, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, the CP Morgan or the Arbor, you know, so and Arbor's not really serving that market anymore. So um, not only do you have the pressures of these people coming in and buying first time homebuyer communities, you don't have a replenishment of said product. Yeah. So, I mean, it just kind of puts it in, it puts it in a pinch. So, so no one serves the market or services that market. And then currently we have where, where institutional investors are, are really cannibalizing a large portion of supply, which is, um, which is driving up prices as the supply continues to go down. Right. In fact, right now, like the last, uh, last week I looked at numbers, 380,000 properties for sale in the United States. We 380,000 homes for sale when, and what there's 330 million, million people, people that live in the U S and, and 380,000 homes for sale. Yeah. And so you're seeing the compounding effect of the last decade of, um, not having enough housing starts, institutional investing debt for first time home buyers, um, and a chain reaction of of um what because the first time home buyer becomes the typically a first time home seller yeah it's a game of musical chairs yeah absolutely and, and when and when you take one person out of the game of musical chairs or when you start taking chairs out yeah you change the dynamic of the game itself yeah and somebody so, everybody starts off as a first time home that's buyer. right if you never buy a house 
and somebody's a first time home seller. <laughs> and so we need that dynamic to exchange in order to create this market. And, and, and so when you see institutional investors, let's say an invitational home, when you're an 80th, 80,000th first time buyer, yeah. then you change the, the market of, of musical chairs right. and real estate. And so we're seeing this effect. So what does it mean for creating wealth and freedom? Well, in my opinion, it means that if you can find a home that comps out as far as numbers are concerned, then you're likely in a good you position. You better buy it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. It also means that we're going to start seeing in the real estate industry a possible um, rebalancing of income from a real estate agent perspective. Right. Because as fewer and fewer houses go up for sale, um, that means fewer closings. Right. And as a result, that means the number of agents who are able to sustain a, a decent living uh, begins to go down because there's less commission dollars to be exchanged in the overall market. I know Mike, in one of our markets where, where our office is, there are 3,500 houses in this market and there are five homes for sale, yeah. five homes, 3,500 or sorry, 3,500 homes, five homes for sale as a real estate agent. It's incredibly challenging to figure out how to earn an income on that mathematical equation. Yeah. You know what? The market is so good, it's bad. That's <laughs> yeah. what's going on. Like, it's so good for sellers, it's bad. Like, yeah. if you're a buyer's agent. And at this point in time, I don't see a way out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure that, the, that sooner or later something breaks. However, uh, there has to be a tipping point of rebalancing between institutional investing and home ownership and the and rent rate. Yeah. So that the only thing that may may tip this. So if you're thinking about getting yeah, into real estate investing, the one thing that I think um, I'm I'm risk averse with with real estate investing. And that's because I don't know, I'm just risk averse from an, I don't want to make money and then lose it. Yeah. So I'm yeah. risk averse, um, and, and low on speculation. So my belief is that if you're, if you're running numbers on a rental property, don't run them on today's rate, back that number down and run it as like a worst case scenario to see if the numbers actually comp out because, um, we're seeing, the number of renters who earn six figures go up at a historic rate. Okay. And what that tells me is that despite earning six figures of income as a household, there are some people who still are unable to own a home. In fact, in Denver, the median income, uh, it, in order to buy the first time home buyer median um, property, you have to make 2x the city's median household income. So the house costs two times the average income. What you make. Which means your only option is without going into debt is potentially renting, right? Yeah. And so um, that balance uh, has to shift eventually where rent rates actually try to climb too much yeah. to make it prohibitive to find renters who can afford to rent the property. So yeah, what happens like, real okay, real estate is scarce. Home prices are high rent goes up rent prices are high like what happens 
Well, this is the, this is the yeah. reason why I like real estate from the perspective of investing comparative to like a stock Got it. and well, one, I mean, there's four or five different ways to monetize it, but, but one reason why is, is that, um, when we think about stocks or most investments, we see them from the perspective of, um, growing our like wealth as an asset class. Okay. And I'm going to make the argument that says that real estate is not actually an asset, but it's also not a commodity. Okay. And I'm not exactly sure what category to put it in. I actually think it's a human right. Okay. Because shelter is a human need. Sure. And so when we factor in um, the need for housing and we see what the government is doing from an eviction moratorium perspective. Right we see that there is a unique construct of a social element um, blending with an asset class. Got it. And so um, one benefit is, is that real estate is highly regulated to try to keep people in their homes and to try to keep renters in the home. And so that the government doesn't have to be a housing provider. Right. And so I, I think that, our system is structured for homeowners right? and that the government tries to tilt the balance as much as possible to enable home ownership. And, uh, if not, at least they'll err on the side of housing as a human need. Right. And so as a, as a real estate investor, there is a degree of, um, security in knowing that you're providing someone a human need yeah. and monetizing it. Whereas if you're buying GameStop stock, yeah, it's there not, is no human need yeah, to that. You're just, you're, you're just playing the casino. So the way we get out of this, it sounds like to me is government intervention. Well, that are just market dynamics and eventually in general that says, okay, we're trying to squeeze up rent rates so high that it's prohibitive that the market has to pull rent rates back. Got it. Or that the prices go up too high of purchase price. And, and that hits a threshold where buyers are unwilling to purchase and that starts to put pull, pull pricing back uh, because there's really not much more incentive on the interest rates that, that mortgage companies or that the mortgage industry can do to try to make housing more affordable. Okay. Housing is becoming less affordable by the, by the day. By the day. And so as a result of that, that means that at a certain point we hit a threshold where affordability becomes a limiter. Right. And then you see, in, which is why, interestingly, I've noticed a change in, in behavior from the institutional buyers in the last 30 days to where used to, if you, got, if you had a listing with a hedge fund where the, yeah. one of the hedge funds was making an offer, they'd come in at below, yeah, below list cash. price, yeah. but it was cash and it was quick. I got one to go up. You got 20. Were you telling me about one that was like 20, 30? Like I got one over? to go like or even went eight thousand over. Okay, yeah, and so another agent told me last week they got thirty k over out of one of the hedge funds too, which is concerning to me. <laughs> because what, actually, one of the hedge another hedge fund called me because they saw that it was pending yeah. and they asked they went they were upset because they made similar offers and I and I I told them they gave me over asking. Yeah. 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 That's a new, that's a new dynamic shift for us is seeing institutional buyers buying above list price, which, which tells me that they've rebalanced their calculation on what they're willing to pay 
um, with the thought of driving appreciate appreciation has to factor into that equation now or tax benefits. Yeah. The, the thing that I like still about investing in real estate again, though, is, is that when we think about, um, how do you build a portfolio to insulate yourself, to create freedom financially? I think about real estate offers you a human need, yeah, which is good, yeah, uh, from a risk management standpoint, and uh, wealthy people and influencers in political structures own real estate. Yeah, very rarely do people make policies that inflict damage onto themselves, right, and onto their social network. Yeah. And so the likelihood of having a policy that is negative from a taxable implication perspective on real estate is low. Yeah. It's the, the thing that I, I kind of share this with my clients in the middle, like when I, when I meet with them, I, I tell them, okay, like imagine you are in a DeLorean and we go back in the time. Okay. <laughs> okay. And a lot of them, I got to explain what a, what a DeLorean, DeLorean is, is, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of. Tyler, do you know what a DeLorean is? We y'all know what a DeLorean is? <laughs> okay. All right. So I just explained to him, if you go back and you buy Apple stock, yeah. and Apple stock in 1980, I'm just throwing something out there. It's $10 a share. Okay. It's $10 a share for Apple stock. And you go to guy, the guy and you say, I want to pay, I'm, I want to buy the Apple stock. And the guy says, I'll sell it to you for $11 a share. In 1989, you'd be upset. You'd be upset you paid $11 for that $10 Apple stock. Yeah. But in 2021, I bet you, you would think you were, you were a genius. That's yeah. what buying a house is. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Over a 30-year timeline, there, there has not been a time in which you didn't re-earn your initial investment, at least from a national perspective. Yeah, are right. there markets that, yeah. that are outliers? Of course. Yeah. However, from a national perspective, over a 30-year aggregate, you earn back your initial, your initial acquisition price and 3x. Right. So right. over a 30-year time frame, it's about 3x. So what makes it not an asset or buying real estate not an asset is you're right from a capital gains perspective. Yeah. It goes up. But the thing that the 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 part that makes it not an asset is an asset actually, you know, is bringing money in. And while you're in your home, you're not actually earning money at the time. So what would that be? That would be the... Um, uh, well, I looked at it too is the difference between and like the, I guess the way I kind of backed into my analysis of real estate is thinking that like assets are typically um, storeholds of value and a home is a storehold of value. However, it's more. Okay. And right. that's because the social aspect. That's right. The social construct of, of a home makes it different than other asset so classes. So you're saying that it's an asset plus more. That's right. You Got get the it. benefit of low risk investing in real estate because of the social element of a human need. Okay. And that is that because our government and our society, thankfully, has evolved enough to believe that social needs are important. Right. The likelihood of um, someone coming in and saying, hey, Mike, thanks for um, buying this home, but we're going to have to take that from you. Yeah. We've decided That's to change cool. all the rules. Yeah. They're able to do that on GameStop, but they're not going to do that most likely on your home because you become then a burden on the government. So you're saying stop investing and gambling on GameStop and come buy a house off of us. And unless <laughs> unless you're unless you're making unless you're making bank. The reality yeah. though is is that if you can it, it, the real multiplication is if you if you can game the system the way that it has been done by 
Wall Street for right. the last couple decades. Then you invest your you invest your income in real estate, which is what the hedge funds are doing. Got it. Right. So we're seeing large family wealth networks, hedge funds buying real estate Got it. as an additional storehold of value and some stream of income. And so when we think about like risk and, you know, kind of 50 years from now, let's say if you were going to look out and retire, would you feel more comfortable knowing that you had 10 rental properties or 10 shares in GameStop. Apple, GameStop, whatever that is, yeah. you would likely feel a lot more comfortable owning 10 parcels of land yeah. or 10, 10 pieces of real estate in the right markets. Right. Now, if you own property in California right now, it might be a bad time right. <laughs> because of the migration pattern, right? right. Yeah. If you own in Austin, Texas, you're really liking this migration pattern. Right. So a lot of it depends on there is some outside political and and you know influence of the entire greater macro market however uh it in my opinion is one of the lower risk wealth building vehicles right now especially okay what would Just, you say to somebody that made 20 to thirty thousand from gamestop what, what i would give that, him a what, huge high five what for should one? my friend do did <laughs> uh, you make twenty to thirty thousand from GameStop? My you friend be did. Right yeah, I want to be here. <laughs> You're like, I'm I'd be blowing it all on my AMC. <laughs> you'd you'd have like bling. You'd have like a grill. I spend it all. <laughs> you'd, yeah. Yeah. you'd have personal pan pizzas and <laughs> yeah. twenty G's and chicken nuggets already. If so, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I bought a McDonald's. What would I do with it? I would like I would invest it in something that is tax. In, that is insulated from like long-term taxable gains personally. So that's one main benefit of real estate is all of the tax benefits that come with it. Right. So can you buy a house that's like obviously going to need a little, probably some work on it for 20 to 30,000. If you had that cash in, in our market, you can, can, yeah, I mean, you could buy, Oh, sorry. You yeah. could buy, you could buy a lever. You could buy a house levered and levered, that. So yeah. like you could buy a hundred thousand, eighty thousand, ninety thousand dollar property with a mortgage, use the 20,000 as your down payment, 30,000 as your down payment. Um, and then allow the low interest rates to be a fictitious rate of infinite return almost because yeah. at a, at a, I just called to refi some, some properties last week and it was 3.75 i think even as an investment as property an investment, which rates of, i think it was like 2.7 yeah. or 2. so so at 3.75 it just thinks i've now on my property i've got a write off on the interest mm -hmm. so let's let's call it 30% so back out 30% of the interest as an expense deduction I'm going to deduct one twenty seventh of the property value every year due to depreciation. Um, and then I'm going to deduct uh, any of my expenses affiliated with the property itself. Uh, and then any acquisition costs of that that are considered to be business expenses. And if I spend enough time investing in real estate, I get to change my tax designation to become a designated real estate professional, which allows me to reduce the capital gains tax if I do actually yeah. make it make more money and allows me to write off more expenses than I would if I own 
one or two job, one or two properties in a W two um, job. So there are some like, I, I always think there's usually about five ways to make money in real estate, uh, debt pay down being another. So if I get a mortgage, someone else is paying the mortgage and then, uh, I'm ideally getting appreciation. So I've got income yep. from an appreciate or I've got wealth growth through appreciation as well. Right. And, and so, yes, somebody who actually has, has figured out how to, uh, you know, place, place lucrative bets in the market has absolutely the ability to, to move into a more risk averse market like real estate. The one downside I think is that it's investing in the stock market. If, unless you're willing to, put it and hold for the right. you know, 10, 20 years and have a manager is investing in the market last week was highly active. It's scary. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it took work. Like yeah. I, I'm not going to pretend that I didn't get involved in active portfolio management it's last like a week. Job. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't leave the office one night till almost midnight because I was watching the ticker and yeah. and took trying to cash smoking. out. What's that? You just took up smoking and everything. Just smoke <laughs> That's right. Wall Street. Yeah. That's right. I was suits out. I was watching the ticker on Dogecoin, trying to see when I needed to get out of that yeah. investment. Um, and as a result, like it was an active. Yeah. The problem is income. like people and right now. The well, it's exposed. It's literally gambling. Yeah. It's literally like people from Vegas have figured out well, like Wall Street and stocks. That's so right. They're treating it like when I grew up, it was buy a stock and then you let it sit and it was a long term yeah. thing. And they and folks have literally flipped that on its head. And so this is what you got. Yeah. It, it, the the downside to real estate can be that it can at times be an active management as well. Right. So like owning yeah. a home is certainly not without work, time and investment. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can leverage that out to property management. Then it just becomes your trading, your trading, your yeah. act, your active real estate work leverage for, for money. money. Yeah. Money. For someone else to take that burden on. Right. Yeah. So um, I used to actively manage my own properties and do not anymore. Yeah. Because so I'm a terrible property manager for my own. Yeah. I'd be horrible. That would suck. What's the, uh, so there's new houses building being built up where I'm from on the Northwest side of Indy and the ones, the neighborhoods, they sell out really quickly and then you can sell those newly built houses for more money. So is there yeah. any benefits in just building a house and sitting on it until the neighborhood's built out yes. and then selling? Because, like, I feel like there's tens of thousands to be made. There's actually a model to, like, this is, like, what I would, I'm not in the position where I, I can do this. As soon as a new neighborhood opens up, buy one or two of those houses and sit on it and rent it out. Yes. Uh, Airbnb yeah. Airbnb it, rent it Airbnb, out, long term. Airbnb, yeah. whatever, hold yeah. it. Because they're building them for, like, mid-200s right now. Yeah. I'm like, you can't get that every time Boone you, County. Every time, they, and what, what happens, they come in low. Yep. You can literally go in there and build them and sit on them. Because that's your background, right, Mike, is new new construction. And so I as, see it. as each phase yeah. is released, the the market value goes up, right? I mean, right. it's basically they, baked in price increases. They take price increases the whole time. But if every time a neighborhood opens up, that is the lowest price of that neighborhood. Ever. Ever. Unless, like, unless the entire macro market changes, yeah, right? Unless yeah, unless the market. Yeah. Now, like, I have but, been in real estate where I worked in a new home and they took price decreases. I've been yeah. in the game that and, long. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like, so that was 
probably almost 15 years ago. I remember they were saying, hey, we're taking a price decrease. Um, But ever since then, I'm telling you, like, and I see it. I'm just not in a position of y'all going to take my idea. But like literally (laughs) that is you could do that. You could literally go in there and build the smallest ranch. That was Florida. That was truly what was happening in Florida was people were flipping them before they were even Even completed. I've got one right now that's... um, Which would be a really interesting model to do here. Yeah, I'm like... Could you find a buyer for... Could you you put your own new construction deal in contract and then flip the contract to to a real estate agent who has a buyer who needs a property? Because there just isn't... There's nothing to nothing. choose from. There's nothing. I mean, I looked, I mean, we, we looked at slides last week. There are 40 homes on the market in the, in the market that Mike and I are in where our Keller Williams office is 40 listings, 40, 40, 40. We have more real estate agents in our office than there are homes. for sale. <laughs> yeah. Sad. Producing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All so. Right. so you, I, so that you could potentially look at that. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are a lot of dynamics at play though, too. I mean, we're seeing off market inventory transact at a, at rates we've never seen before. You know, I, I had some people reach out about multifamily yesterday and, and so there was like 11 houses or 11 duplexes or quadplexes to, to look at on the MLS and the areas they wanted to be in. And, um, in the greater board, there were 54 uh, wow. duplexes to, or quadplexes and 2,700 single family. So 54 compared yeah. to 2,700 single yeah. family, yeah. which tells me there also now is a run up on driving yeah. for duplexes and multifamily. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's getting snatched up. Yeah, because when you look at the asset appreciation, that's been and that's been a really, really low risk um, absolutely way to, to yeah. grow wealth. Yeah. Now there's all sorts of other things at play, right? Like the printing of money, the unlimited supply of monetary stimulus this year. However, uh, at least asset, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you mean it. you haven't gotten that, that promised 1400 or whatever. I haven't gotten it <laughs> so, so that's where real estate becomes a much different vehicle for actual low risk, secure, wealth building compared to where the rules change at any given time. Like we saw last week in the, in the market itself. Right. So packaging all that together. Now we know what is, what, what is money, right? Money being an exchange of trust and, um, something that's portable, divisible, um, something that can, can be secured, uh, and is a medium of account. And we haven't even bothered to talk about digital money yet. Well, uh, we'll go on a long rabbit hole. I'm sure sometime of digital currency because that becomes an interesting asset class. When you think about wealth building is as, as time continues to go on, digital currencies will start to make more and more sense to people as we become more and more cashless. Yeah. But the hangover of being a cash-based society is to a large degree causing people to not understand digital currency. Right. And so as we yet, we seem to have no problem swiping a credit card, which is digital currency. Right, yeah. Uh, we're getting it. We're so, about to get it. So uh, it's an interesting ask, asset class that, we're, that uh, we, can, we can discuss at a later time. But uh, wealth building now, now, now to me is the time to do it and do yeah. it at a low risk uh, buy in point like real estate. It's, it's out there y'all. You just got to go get it. And real estate to the moon. Yeah.